Hi, everyone, and welcome to Just a Fad Podcast. I'm Blaine, and my buddy Greg and I are just two foster and adoptive dads excited to talk with other dads about faith, family, and fatherhood. Oh, and uh, Blaine, don't forget about the dad jokes. Uh, yes, there'll definitely be plenty of dad jokes as well. This is Just a Fad. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Just a Fad. We have got another great conversation in this series on faith and fatherhood that we've been doing. Um, And I think this is going to be a really good one. We're trying to get uh, very practical this time. The first three conversations, Greg, we've been a little high high in the theory Mm -hmm. of faith and fatherhood and what that means. Um, And I know, you know, you were having fun yeah, there was a lot of conversations where I, I got to be like, hey, I don't have any of the letters after my name that you guys have, <laughs> so I'm just going to ask whatever question I want. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Today I'm excited, though, because our guest today actually has a personal connection with me and my family. Yeah. Uh, because he's actually the children's pastor for my children, three of which have been adopted out of foster care. So I've gotten to see not only some of the fruits of his labors, but the way that he actually interacts with foster kids. So yeah. It's been so cool. It's exciting, yeah. Yeah, and and so we've invited Bernie here to kind of chat with us. Uh, specifically, we're going to get to some of his story, which I think everybody's going to really enjoy. Uh, but we also want to get very practical towards the end and get into some conversation about, like, thinking about the kids in our home that are maybe in that uh, preschool, elementary school kind of age bracket and thinking about how do we begin conversations with them? How do we lead them in conversations around faith? Um, and guide them because we just want to be very practical and help the dads that are listening figure out how do you do that. So, so we're going to get there. But Bernie, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks yeah. for being here. <clears throat> well, thanks for asking me. It's an honor to be here with you guys, and and looking forward to the fun we get to to have today. Oh. That reminds me, I need to give him five bucks for saying it was an honor. Oh, was gonna, he, <laughs> he's clearly like doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> but I will always say it's been an honor, and then yeah, then we'll, we'll just see what there. happens. Uh, uh, Bernie, will you tell us just a little bit about your family now? Um, and then I know you've got some connection just in your life story to the foster and adoption journey. And so share with us just a little bit about yourself to let everybody get to know you. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I have a beautiful wife and uh, four kids. And so we've been married 14 years. And so, um, yeah, my connection to adoption world is I'm actually adopted. And so that's my connection. I've got some extended family that have uh, some adoptive kids and then uh, a lot of close friends uh, that have also fostered and also adopted kids of their own. So yeah. kind of all around me. As well as my own story. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. That's cool. What do you know about your adoption story and kind of how that happened for your parents and and kind of how you kind of came into your family to be adopted? Yeah. Um, So it was funny. I found out from my older sister, my older siblings who are not adopted, that I was adopted. We were actually in a a fight and that's how I found (laughs) out. I was 11 11 or 12. Yeah, great way, right? Oh, you're adopted. And I looked over at my folks and they were like, yeah. And so that was early on. And so, um, but that was kind of, I was like, okay. And I didn't really think about it or know much. And then actually about three years ago, there was an advertisement for the ancestry.com thing. And oh, wow. I'd heard a little bit of my story from, from my parents, but they didn't have a whole lot of information. And, um, my wife and I went back and forth and she's like, just order the kit. And it opened up a whole new kind of world for me, tracking down um, some of my biological parents' information and then getting the backstory. So I'd created this narrative from 11 to 35 
about my story and then to really get some answers on the on the back end of that was really cool so um so yeah Wow. So you find it, find out at 11 and how long, I mean, were you adopted kind of as an infant, as a child? And you just, at 11, you're, you find out in this fight and then you decide years later, Hey, I really want to pursue this. Yeah. So interesting story. My birth mom did not know that she was pregnant. So I like one of those, like, how does that happen? And and it happens. So it does, yeah. she went into the hospital and found out, Oh ma'am, you're pregnant. And not only that, you're like, you're going to have this baby soon. So had me and then immediately put me up for adoption. So I went to a foster home for probably about two or three months. And then during that time, my parents were looking to, to adopt and had been working with a social worker. And so I probably was adopted between probably seven and 10 months old. So I was still okay. a baby under yeah. a year. Yeah. So before I was adopted. And so your full memory is, is of your, your adoptive family yep. per se. It's, that's your family. That's, that's that my family. Yeah. That's my memory. Yep. For yeah. sure. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you mentioned that you you spent some time with like the, the you had built up what this backstory mm-hmm. was. Was there and without I mean you don't have to go into any details about what that backstory was, but when you found out the truth, was there any sense of like sense of loss? Like like were you imagining that you would be much more akin to like a Bruce Wayne or something like that? Like, were you, were you, a, did you have like a Marvel yeah. superhero backstory? You know, there or? Was, no, not nothing as cool as that. There okay. was a time, honestly, if I'm being honest with you guys, that I was like, man, it'd be awesome to be like royalty or somebody really sure. rich and then just be like, hey, I'm the long lost heir to whatever. <laughs> this fortune. Um, yeah. Not my story. Yeah. Um, especially since they didn't know that she didn't know that she was pregnant. So, well, spoiler um, alert, I, I, I was not adopted, and I think that too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I still hope one day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but um, no, but the the story I'd created was just kind of like you know I, I wrestled with like why did somebody give me up? How could you look at a baby and give them up? And then mm-hmm. when I found out that she didn't know she was pregnant, like okay, that helps. And then um, she wasn't married, and their relationship was kind of on on the down low, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. You know, I kind of wondered, did he, did my biological father know that I existed? And actually, through conversations with my father, later on, I found out that he did know. And he actually attempted to get custody, but it just worked out. The social worker thought, hey, going to my family would be a better situation for me. And um, and so that helped kind of fill in some gaps uh, with that. But yeah, yeah, so for a while, I was like, why? Why wouldn't you want a baby or things like mm-hmm. that? And uh, I didn't really wrestle with that too much because um, I've always been a pretty confident person and surrounded but my family just did a great job of loving me and I was able to just see I'm in the right place I'm with the right people and so it just it was one of those things that never really stuck with me yeah um, even to this day like not caring that kind of weight nice. yeah and I think it's so different I mean I think mm-hmm. the thing that we know is like like uh, adoptive kids experience that identity mm-hmm. differently like yeah. for some kids it's it's this question that plagues them until they can get clarity and closure and answers. And for others, it's like, yeah, I'm not, I just don't know if I'm that interested in knowing much more about the story right now. So have you pursued, um, contact relationship with them at all or? So I did. So my, so from 11 through high school and then into college kind of wasn't really a thought, you know, it, it would come up because people would, you know, say something like, Oh, you look like your mom or whatever, which I really, did. Um, and I'd say, Oh yeah. I was like, but I'm adopted. And they're like, no, you're not, you know, but other than that never came up. Once I met my wife, um, we wanted to get some information. We're like, Hey, we want to have kids of our own. Like, I don't know, like filling out at the doctor's office, like being adopted and not having any information. Like it's one of the hardest things. Cause you're like, 
history of heart disease. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what do I put down? Um, so we got some information. Um, and then that's really when my mom was like, hey, here's what I have. This is what I know. So really, I found out when I was 11, didn't really think about it, getting to get married. And then she gave me the notes that she had written while she was on the phone with the social worker. So I got some of those details about the, the job that she had, that my biological mom had, uh, kind of some physical features and things like that. Um, so through that, Fast forward to taking the DNA test. Mm -hmm. I had a card that was the medical card that had white out over it and my biological name was written underneath it. So I scraped that off and I was able to make out first name and part of the last name, um, which wasn't very legible. Hmm. Um, and so um, once I did the ancestry test, the results came back <clears throat> and like five of my top hits were all that last name. So then oh, I had that, that missing information hmm. of, of a name, right, that I'd kind of had most of my life, but then like, didn't know what the name was. And my wife just Googled the name. Uh, we kind of knew the area where I was born. We kind of knew a couple identifying things. Yeah. <clears throat> and honestly, through her Googling and finding some obituaries, she came back and says, I think, I think this is her. What do you want to do? Mm. And I was like, wow, like, um, my whole life, I've never really thought about it. I mean, I had at times, but now I was faced with, oh, I can actually do something with this information. And so, um, unfortunately she had passed away. Um, hmm. it was actually her obituary that she found, but I contacted her stepsister and just said, Hey, I think your sister was my biological mom. Um, here's my story. Uh, and it was a sweet reply that I got back. And so we were able to just exchange some information in terms of just like, here's an mm. update on my life. Like I'm doing well. Cause she was like, we always wondered. And so thank yeah. you for that. <clears throat> Cause I've always said to people, I wanted to reach out um, not to see if I was a, a millionaire, billionaire, heir to a throne or something, but to be able to provide closure to let, let um, whoever know, hey, I'm doing okay. Like, yeah. like, I'm good. God's been faithful. Like, I have a great family, and I hope you're not carrying any kind of guilt or anything like that. Um, so I was able to still do that with her stepsister That's to cool. provide some closure for her. And it was closure for me, too. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the result I was looking for in terms of that, but I was secure in my family with my parents, but I'll secure with my wife and our family. And so, um, you know, yeah, that's really nice. cool. So when you were growing up in, in your adoptive family, would, were you, was it a church family? Did you grow up in, in faith in the church? So <clears throat> my family, um, we went to church Easter. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we talked about my grand, my grandparents were very like, um, I would say religious, uh, in practice and very disciplined in that. Um, but we weren't a church family growing up. My, I knew my family had faith, but we didn't really go to church. I started going to church on my own, um, in seventh grade to play basketball. Cause I was one of the requirements to play church basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I actually made the decision and they were never against church. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but I made the decision on my own from seventh grade through high school, um, to go to church. Um, and so really met some great people and, thankful that my friend invited me to play so mm. nice yeah so was there a like as you started becoming more and more involved in church was there ever a moment where like the something that we've talked about multiple times is the image of god as a father and so has that ever has that ever manifested or shown up in the way that you think about god and think about fatherhood based upon your own personal adoption journey yeah um <clears throat> so my my father is an amazing man like a great man, man of integrity, man of just, and so I never felt like it was easy for me 
to hear about God the Father, read about God the Father in the Bible, and be able to like, because my dad's my best friend, like mm. he was best man mm. in my wedding, like, like so many times before I was married, that's the person I wanted to share my greatest news with and my hardest news with, right? Yeah. And so, <clears throat> so for me, it was never hard to make that connection. Um, but I, I, I could see how a lot of people. Um, do get tripped up on that. But for me, it was never, it was never a thing because I did have a good, even though we weren't going to church and things like that, Mm -hmm. he set such a good example as a husband and a father and just as a man in general um, that, that I didn't have a hard leap connecting God, the father to earthly father for me. So it's cool. I want to circle back to just in your story and, 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 um, you know, I think just for those who are listening who are maybe new to the journey, I mean, a couple of things that you said that I think are really powerful is is one that, you know, your mom, when she kind of got this phone call, she's taking notes and mm. she's writing everything down. And I, and I think for, for those who are like listening to us that might be kind of new on the journey, there's something to be said for like finding as much as you can out in the start of your story about the parents, about the birth mom, about the country where your child's from, about those things, because you may not need it tomorrow and you may not need it for a while, but when that conversation does come up, man, those little pieces are the little bits that you can kind of piece together. Um, and the other, the other side of it too, is I think, you know, your, your story is one that kind of, again, starts to show why, uh, social work has moved so much more towards openness in adoption, that it does create some amount of, whether you call it closure or whether you call it just resolve resolution around, I know who my birth family was and they know where I am and that I'm good and safe. Like, you know, your, your mom, your birth, your biological mother didn't get the fullness of that, mm-hmm. but it meant something to her stepsister, <clears throat> right. To have that mm-hmm. sense of like, Oh, we know where Bernie ended up. We know absolutely who he yeah. is and that it was good. But man, I think that's where that openness can be really meaningful because it does allow resolution mm-hmm. to occur that, Hey, there was a, there was a reason there was a purpose and it's, it's, it's been resolved, Yeah, you know, so. And you touched on something that, so I was also a school, I was a school teacher for a long time, school counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things for me as a kid growing up, you do the family tree project, oh. right? <laughs> and, or people like I'm biracial. And so like, I look like 17 different ethnicities, like it, like, and so people always asking like, Hey, where are you from? What are you? Yeah. Which is a great question. Yeah, um, yeah. such a then, helpful question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you? But then even just doing like that that history project, like people could say, "Oh, hey, my great great grandparents came over from Italy or from Ireland," or "Oh, hey, I can trace my ancestors back." Like I always growing up, I did. That was probably the time that I thought about it the most. Like, oh, I don't have an answer for that. Like I know what my family is from. Like the the, yeah. the ones that adopted me, that raised me, that loved yeah. me. Yeah, I can do that. And that's that's generally what I did. But to your point of just having that little bit of information of like, oh, you know what? Like, I do kind of know a little bit of my history and story and kind of yeah. where, where I'm connected and rooted in. I think at the end of the day, for me, the love that I received from my parents, like nothing replaces that. But there is still that, you know, yeah. to your point of just being able to give little nuggets of like, hey, here's just a little bit about... And, and do with it what, what you, what you will, but just to have that, because as a teacher, I remember going, man, we do these family tree projects. Like I'm really aware that there could be a kid in my classroom (laughs) about that. And so I would always find ways to give alternatives or kind of say, Hey, just so you know, and, and my classroom, they always knew my story. They, they knew like that I'm adopted. 
And, you know, if I had an adoptive kid in my very first year of teaching in the class, and I remember how powerful it was because his mom was like, he's never like met anybody that looked like him that was adopted that like has a similar story. And so like, wow, he's just opened up and changed. And so for me to have that my very first year, it helped me for my reigning years. And even just now, just knowing that that could be somebody's story. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it, it changed my family's story with you. Like when my, my 11 year old was, when he found out that you were adopted, the way that he looked at you and the way that, that he, that he interacted on, on just in, going to church on Sundays. It, it did. It changed, it changed a lot about the way that he, that he interacted and the way that he felt. So that's huge. That is, that's a really powerful thing to be able to, to have. Yeah. And it's a gift in a lot of ways for what it is that you do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think any sense of vulnerability, right, is what kids then respond to. Because in, in, in a large sense, I think kids feel very vulnerable and confused about who they are and where they fit. And so ways that we can kind of say, Hey, I can identify with you, whether it's, whether it is adoption, whether it is pieces of your own story, right. That can be helpful and powerful for kids is, is, uh, is really cool. Um, as you kind of, so you, you kind of shared pieces of your story, you know, your mom's sharing some pieces of your story when you guys get married, um, you guys go on kind of, you eventually end up in ministry and you've got several kids in your home. What do you think about, like, when you think about just your home, right? You're, you're a children's pastor professionally. You should be really good at this <laughs> at home, right? <laughs> should be, yes. Should be. <laughs> should be. Uh, we should yeah. all, right? Be, wow. be, that is, like, and, we're, not, we're not holding any kind of standard. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, we also run an adoption podcast, and we're not <laughs> yeah, exactly I'm like, going to have to stop doing this uh, if we're held to that. <laughs> um, but I think, like, as you thought about, like, and you begin to have kids, you have kids in your home, why, why do you think as a dad, why do you think it's important that we as dads are engaging our kids in conversations around, around faith, yeah. around God and who God is and what their role and place in the world is? Why do you just think that just to start off, why is that important for us to even be worried about? Yeah. I think from the very beginning, God designed and created this idea of family. Cause if you look at God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, that was the perfect family mm. and needed nothing. But then God des- desired us to be a part of that too. And so I think from the very beginning, family is something that God created to be a gift and also just a vehicle catalyst to, to just share his glory, his love with the world. And so, um, for me being adopted, I couldn't wait to have my own family, my own kids that I could like say like, wow, I'm connected DNA. Like that was huge for me. But also when I became a father, it changed the way that I saw God, like scripture Mm. made more sense to me. Um, and so I think family is just, it's what God uses to just kind of share his love with the world and whatever that family looks like. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know when it began with my wife and I, and we said, here's what we're committed to. Here's who we're going to be. This is what we believe in. And so this is what our life is going to be for. And then as we added, you know, one kid, two kid, three kid, four kids now, um, it's, it still hasn't changed. Right. Like this is who God is. This is who he created us to be. So he says we are. And so this is what we've got to be. And so, Mm. yeah, that's what I think about. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Are there any, uh, like if you could boil it down to just one thing, if you had one piece of advice to give, to give dads, like, okay, here's the lesson you're going to want to, you're going to want to try to teach your kids. Oh and, man, that's hard. Yeah, just just I mean, I know there's there's no way you can really say this is the only. There's not just one that you'd have to do, but if you could pick one, that's like the the Bernie, 
like nugget of truth. This is this is the silver <clears throat> bullet. If there is a silver bullet, which there isn't, like what would that what would that look like? <clears throat> I would say, for for me in our in our home, um, love your wife well, love your spouse mm. well. Um, I try to create at least two or three ooh moments a day, um, where whether like it's holding hands, yeah. Yeah. whether it's whether it's holding hands, like affection, like whatever it is, like they need to see us because when when we're good, our house is good, right? Mm-hmm. Like when mom and dad are good, like our house is good, and so for our kids, like they see us argue. You know, they see the way that we resolve arguments, how we apologize, how we treat each other, um, how we make time for each other. And so I think, you know, when you look at marriage, God even talks about the church being the bride and then Christ being the, the, the groom. And it's like, so that's where that's where it starts with me. And so for me, I need to love my wife well. And my kids need to see it because they need to see what a healthy relationship, not a perfect relationship, but yeah. what a healthy relationship looks like. And so for me, I would say it starts, it starts with that. Hmm. Um, and if you're not married, like how, how you treat people, like my kids, the, every interaction that I have with somebody, they need to see that and they need to see Jesus in that hmm. for, for me, that's the way that I look at it. My son and I were walking out of Walmart, um, a couple of years ago and there was this guy just standing out there. Um, I don't think he was, he was asking for change or whatever. He was just kind of hanging out or whatever, just talking to people. And, uh, uh uh, he was like, uh, start talking to us or whatever. And I was like, Hey, I was like, how are you doing? Da, da, da. And then we got in the car and he's like, dad, do you know him? And I'm like, no. And he's like, why did you? And I'm like, because like, love God, love people. Like we're keeping it simple. Like he wanted to talk to people and I said hi to him and smiled at him because who knows how many people came yeah. out and were annoyed with him. And I don't do it perfect every time, but mm-hmm. so how, how my kids see me treat my wife or how they see me treat our neighbors or how they see me treat our people or how I talk about the people I work with or when I'm driving in the car. So I think that example of really having your, your kids see that, I think that's huge. So I know that wasn't one thing, but I've been learning that my, my five-year-old daughter is, is like this when we go and it, it, it's not my personality. Like I lean introvert. So for me, like to go in the store, I'm like, I'm going in for the things that I need and mm-hmm. I'm going to get those things and we're going to walk out. And if we don't need to make eye contact with anybody more, the better. And my five-year-old like waves to every car in the parking lot and everybody at the door at Walmart. <laughs> like she would be the best Walmart greeter mm-hmm. ever because she just loves seeing. And so it is this thing, this lesson I keep trying to remind myself like, oh, that's that's just called being nice. I'm glad you learned that. You probably picked that up from your mom because you didn't get that from me. But uh, that's why she needs two parents. See, uh, and that's, that's, that's nice that you guys are both having the examples because I, I feel like that very lesson is one that my kids do nothing but teach me mm-hmm. yeah. because anytime it, I mean, I've got a, one of my children in particular, I'm not going to call them out, but it's like living with a, a court stenographer. <laughs> like if I've said anything that I shouldn't have said, Ow. even muttering under my breath, like this kid can't hear me yelling for dinner time, yep. like with a bullhorn. But yeah, from three rows back, it's a 12 passenger van. He's in the very <laughs> back. And I say something that I shouldn't under my breath from the driver's seat. He's repeating it for the next six months. It's fantastic. <laughs> and that's the hard yeah. thing about setting a good example, because kids, they will, they'll keep you honest because they will call out and, Hey, didn't you say love people? Like you didn't seem very loving to that guy that switched lanes and cut in front of you or whatever. Like that yeah. was that loving. And I'm like, 
all right, you know, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think that's what you're bringing up is that it, that modeling it is, is as important as talking about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yep. You know, that we can, we could talk about it all day long. We could, we could have the best 45 minute devotion with our kids which I don't do. But, I don't you know, do either. Oh, I, I do. Like three times a day. Three times no. a yeah. day. Okay. You guys well. must not love Jesus as yeah, much as don't. I do. But I'm just saying, like, you, uh. you, could, you could be so intentional about this moment of, like, opening up the Bible and talking about what it is. But if you walk out the door and never do it, mm-hmm. I mean, your kids, I think, learn, oh, well, we see what's important. Yeah. Like, we see what's actually important there. Um, what do you think, Bernie, are, like, some of the topics or questions that you find in your own home, but also just in children's ministry, like what are some of the questions you think like kids start with when they're starting to kind of ask questions about God and ask questions about faith? What are some of the questions you find like, Hey, this is what it seems like they're, they're starting to ask first. I think kids, they, they want to know like, where did God come from? Like that's mm. a, that's a big one, right? Cause you're trying to get them to understand God spoke all these things into existence, you know, like the sun, the moon, the stars, earth, animals, all these things. He created all this life, but where did he come from, right? Um, and so they wrestle a little bit with that. We did a series uh, a couple of years ago in church where I just said, write down all your questions and I'll try to answer them as best I can. And these kids, it was, it was awesome and scary at the same time. Oh yeah. These kids, you know, we're talking kindergarten to fifth grade. So, you know, five, five to 11, 12 like they came up with amazing questions so much so that I shared it with our staff, some, some other pastors. And I'm like, Hey, you help me answer these. Cause I think like yeah. I have pretty good theology, <laughs> but I want to make, like, I want to make sure. And so we did, we answered like three or four, you know, and they kind of grouped them together. Um, but it's just amazing because kids are thinking more about this than that. But where did God come from? Um, why, why is sin a thing, right? Like if you're all powerful, why do you let bad stuff happen? Yeah. And that that's what's something that adults wrestle with, right? Like yeah. if you're all powerful, how come there's all of these things? And I think you get to a level of faith and then you get to a level of understanding who God is. And then you can start to kind of go, okay, I don't need the answer to this question, but it's still a really good question. So things like that, I think, um, how do I get to heaven? Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, because we talk about heaven and we talk about salvation. Um, we do each week, you know, we talk about communion that, that Jesus died for our sins to put us back in a right relationship with God. And so sometimes they're like, wow, does that mean if I mess up when I leave here that I'm not okay? You know, so even salvation and wrestling with like sin, like kids are even thinking about that, you know? So, um, they have a lot of good questions. I'll say that, but those are some of the big ones that I think that I encounter, um, in, in our own home, I think, my kids don't ask as big questions. I don't know if they're not thinking about it enough or, or what. So you've just already answered them <laughs> yeah, all. That's, that's that's a, yeah, we answer all the hard questions, but yeah. Um, yeah. But I know that my kids, um, they they yeah they have some of the same the same questions. You know, like where'd God come from? But then I guess they trust us enough to like be like, well, there's some things that like my my answer is always like, well, there's some things that God like lets us know, like He has laid out, and it's pretty mm-hmm. clear. And there's some things that we have to put faith in the gap for. Um, and so I'm the kind of person that puts faith in the gap really easy. My wife is a very detailed, I need to know how and why things work. And our kids are a good mix of both of us. But I think when it comes to some stuff, they've, they've been able to put faith in the gap mm. on some of those questions. But yeah, it's a good way. I it, like it's that. A really, put faith in the gap. Put That's faith in the gap. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I also like the fact that I feel like just in having the conversations, like, oh, cool. Like it's the same. It's the same questions. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, those like, are the questions well, yeah, I have. That's the yeah, questions I, I have. It, yeah, from, it's, um, everybody has those same questions, and just answering them, and 
and I don't know if, if maybe we overthink it as people get older that we can't say something like putting you got to put faith in the gap. Like that's a that's a really good answer. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, I've learned from yeah. people, and we have we have a guy that I work with that you know he does a really good job of this of saying like, hey, if we can if we can believe this right, if we can believe this part of scripture then like we can, we can get to these other places because sometimes we do, we get hung up on, well, I need to know why this happened or like, give me more details on this. But it's like, we can accept some of these huge things, but then like some of these little things is where we get tripped up on. And it's like some things we just got to put faith in that gap between your understanding and where God's trying to take you, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and as you get older, you, as you learn more, I think as you learn more about God and who he's, who he says you are, who he created you to be, some of those get answered, um, and maybe not the way that you think, like a concrete answer, but you just know, like, oh, I know God's faithful. And so God's faithfulness is the answer to that question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I don't have another one, right? And so, and I wasn't designed, my brain, like, wasn't designed to necessarily have all the answers. And so, yeah, yeah so putting faith and, in the gap. And there's an aspect of, yeah, our brains aren't designed to necessarily have all of those, the, like the full answer, and you got to put faith in the gap on some things. I mean... Like that's that's the 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 entire human condition. It's mm-hmm. just our our brains have that to it. Like we're sitting here right now talking into microphones, and I my brain doesn't really understand how my voice gets through this little thing I'm talking to and out into the internet. I yeah. don't really know how that works. Yeah, and well, I I mean I work in IT and I'm not really <laughs> sure how all that stuff works. Well, think about how so. much we know about the human body. Like that alone, like the human body and cells, and like how mm-hmm. you were, like even just how we were created. Let alone like what then our brains can then create from there. It's like. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't like to think about that. We're getting into the metaphysical <laughs> now. Like, yeah. I feel like we're getting into like Matrix Volume Three right now. But, but I think <laughs> too, like that's that's part of the point. I think in the conversation with kids is to is is to not when the when the question comes like where does God come from, I think some of us are in a position where we, we would want to say okay, so what's the right answer to that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like I think I think some of it is to encourage the curiosity. That's a really good question. Let's think about that some. This could be an answer, and this could be an answer. Um, but I think in the same way that we're, like, encouraging our kids to to learn the things that they're learning in school. And you've got to learn this before you can learn the next thing. Before it, Like, you've got to figure out addition and subtraction before you can move on to mm-hmm. multiplication and division, right? And, and in some sense, like, but even once you figure that out, guess what's next is geometry and then calculus. And then, like, you could... If you just this one avenue, you could explore it for forever. Mm. Um, and, and having done a PhD myself, like I know that, like I know a lot about a very little bit because there's a whole lot more out there. And and I think that's a way we have to think about what we know about God mm. and what we know about faith is we know some things, but we we only know this one angle, right? And the more we can just spend time and look at it and see it from different angles, the more it just starts to, the picture fills out more and more. Yeah. Uh, But you probably can't ever see the whole picture. Nope. And I think too, going back to modeling, like what do you model for your kids? Model, I don't know, right? Like I don't have the answers Mm -hmm. because I think one of the biggest things for me just as a kid was like, my dad was a superhero. He, He knew everything. He could do everything. And then as I got older in young adulthood, you're like, oh, you're not like I started to see like his faults and things he didn't know and still loved and respected him. But I'm like, so I let my kids know early on, like, I don't know. And that's okay. And I'm okay with that, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
keep asking questions and you know who the best source for those questions are? It's God. And when he reveals stuff to you, you'll know. And if he doesn't, then just trust God is faithful. God is good. He wants the best for you. It's like I tell my kids all the time, like, do you believe that I love you? Then please like look before you cross the street. Like, I don't want you to not have fun outside, but I love you. So if you can trust that, then you can make that leap. And so I Mm. think telling kids, I don't know, but I know God's good. And that's good for me, but teaching that to them so then they can still ask questions, still search, but then go, yeah, but I do know God's good. So I don't necessarily like have to have a definitive answer to that. So mm-hmm. modeling, telling them when you don't know is huge because I want my kids to know I don't know everything. So, yeah. 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 I don't know, but I know God's good. Mm-hmm. A couple good nuggets here. Yeah, this yeah. is good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. Well, what are some of the very just like if you were to say, hey, here's some here's some practical things that just nuts and bolts, like here's some things you can try in your home. I think what we're talking about already is just engaging the questions kids already have, which I think is a really good practical strategy. What are some other things you think, hey, this is a great way to kind of have those conversations, build those conversations, help just those conversations to thrive in your home? What are some things you would say that you would recommend or suggest on that side? I think the very first thing is just take the pressure off of you. So going back to like, you're not going to know everything and you don't need to know everything um, to lead your kids well to follow Jesus. Um, But you you can't give what you don't have. Right. So you do have to know. So how are you spending time learning about who God is and who he said so that you can share that with your kids? So I say that's that's first. Take the pressure off yourself because you don't have to be the one, um, you know, that has all the answers. But you need to have some answers, right? You need to have some place to start from. So that's huge. I would also say keep it simple. Like I remember having these ideas of we're going to sit down and we're going to do these devotionals and that doesn't work. Um, I teach other families Deuteronomy 6, which is the first kind of Moses gives this speech of like it takes a village and like so, you know, impress these things that, that, that God has taught us on your hearts, talking about them when you're walking around the, on the road and when you lay down at night and when you're doing meals. So basically as you're going about your life, right. But not just the family, but like everybody that's a part of that community of people, like you guys should all be pouring into the children. So I take that and I go, okay, what does that look like for us? So we keep it simple. We do do a devotional with my older boys. Um, I got this from my boss. Like we've been reading through the Psalms. And so I just read it. I say, Hey, what'd you get from that? My oldest one is like, eh, I don't know. My youngest one tries to make the same connection each time, and that's fine. And I just say, hey, here's what I got from it. I pray with them, and then we're done. So it's like <laughs> three, four minutes. Like, that's yeah. it. Um, try to do that every morning. We're like four psalms behind, so it's like it doesn't always happen. With my younger ones, um, so I have 11, 9, 6, and 4. Um, and so with my younger ones, it's literally like while we're together, like, when we pray or when I um, am driving in the car or when we're walking outside, like I'm pointing everything that we see and do back to God, who God is and who he says we are. Like those are the two things that as adults, I think we struggle with like identity, like who am I? And then who is God, right? Because if he's not somebody that you know and can trust, then everything he says is not going to mean anything. And so keeping it simple as a family and knowing that it doesn't have to be a designated time, there's time for that and space for that. Like, let me sit down. We're carving out time. We're going to spend time with God. We're going to open up the Bible, a devotional, whatever. But then the rest of the time that you're with your kids, which is like all the time (laughs) when you're at home, like that's the beautiful, easy times. Like 
my kid, my oldest kid, like we have this baptism book that we take kids through at, at our church to help them kind of prepare the way. And it's a resource for parents. We sat down to do it. Didn't work out. I scrapped it. I said, Hey, let's just ride bikes. So we went through the book together, riding bikes. And he got more out of that conversation mm-hmm. that we had riding bikes around the neighborhood than when we sat down. So keep it simple. Know your mm-hmm. kids kind of like read the room, like read how they're doing, but it really is like, work it into your life. And so if it's a part of your life, as you're talking to your kids, like when we argue and fight and I apologize to my kids, I say, I'm so sorry, like that I talked to you that way. I shouldn't because I love you. And when you love somebody, that's not how you talk to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Or when my kids ask like, Hey, why, like, why does that family treat them that way or whatever? I'm like, "I, I don't know, but how do we treat each other in our, and why do we treat each other this way in our house? You know? And so really just real life, yeah. Is, is how you kind of help build that um, with it. But keep it simple. Yeah. For sure. I was, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, like, that you kept saying over and over, keep it simple, keep it simple. We like to keep it simple. I, that's huge. Like, yeah. I haven't found a single thing yet I couldn't overcomplicate. Oh, so, for sure. Uh, yeah. Like, that's just, that's really yeah. simple. Because if you're not simple, you can't keep it consistent. Because yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, you keep it simple, but then you keep it consistent. Mm. So that's why I said, like, in Deuteronomy 6, when, he ta- when he's literally saying, like, as you're walking down the road, as you lay down at night, mm-hmm. as you do all these things, he's not saying do an extra thing. He's saying remind them of who God is as you're doing the things that you already do, right? Mm-hmm. So are you going to eat breakfast? Great. Remind them of who God is, right? Like, and I also, like, at night, my wife is really good at this. I need to get better at it. But I knew I was going to be here today, so I did a better job of it this morning. <laughs> um, is speaking God's truth, right? Some people call it a blessing. Um, some people find that weird. It's not weird. Speaking God's truth. Ephesians 2.10 is, my, is one of my favorite verses. I speak it over my kids all the time. You are God's masterpiece, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So I looked at my oldest son this morning, and I said, hey, you know, you know you're God's masterpiece, right? And you know there's good things that you're going to do today. So be good to your mom. Be good to your your brothers and sister and like do good today. Mm. Right. And so that's just the simple scripture that I just tell him, like, this is what I want you to do today. My wife at the end of the day does a great job praying with our kids, asking them how they, uh, how was their day, you know, and things like that. And then praying specifically about that stuff. Right. Like bedtime, I'm kind of like, I'll come up if you really need me, if there's an emergency, (laughs) but I really, like, I just want to sit down for a minute, but She's really good about being intentional. So praying with your kids is huge too. Like mm-hmm. once again, keeping it simple and praying like, and having them pray for each other. Like I love having my, one of my kids pray for, um, you know, their sibling, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to be mad or annoyed with them when you're praying for them, um, which is cool. So like yeah. our four-year-old got diagnosed with leukemia uh, mm-hmm. in May. And so that's been kind of our journey of faith, right? And so my wife and I, since we've been married, we've always had these moments when anything big happens, we're like, okay, do we believe what we said that we believe? And if we do, here's what we're going to do. And it's been amazing to bring our kids into that because it's scary. It's hard. Like it's, it's been tough. And then you throw on pandemic and all these things that are going on. But for our kids, we literally sat them down and we said, look, this is the journey we're going to walk down. This is who God is. He's not going to change. So we have to decide as a family right now, do we believe what we say we believe? So everything that we sing about when we sing, everything that we pray about when we pray, everything that we talk to you guys about, it's hitting us right in the face right now. So what are we going to do? 
And I think if you can be simple and consistent about it, then your kids can grab that and make it their own. Cause that's the end goal. Yeah. Like you want your kids to have the faith that belongs to them. And I tell like you guys are leaving eventually, whether it's to go to school or go play sports on a team and we're not going to be there every second of every day. So how are you taking who God is and who he says you are with you when you go, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to prepare you as best I can. But at the end of the day, like that's between you, my two oldest are baptized. And so a good conversation for them is when they do something, I'm like, when you chose Jesus, cause you made the decision. I didn't like, I want it for you, but you chose Jesus. When you chose Jesus, like how does that demonstrate that you're living for him? Like the way that you treated that person or the way that you did this or that. And I said like, you guys like, I love you. You're going to be forgiven here. You're going to be forgiven by God. But like, you got to go work that out with him, Mm -hmm. right? Like you got to go spend some time praying and saying, okay, God, like, how can I do this better? You know? Mm -hmm. And so that's where we're trying to get, obviously, eventually, even just as people, you know, to have a faith that, that we can stand on that's our own. And yeah. And I think it, I think it's when you're, when you're teaching and talking about it, as you described it, like here and there and everywhere we go, I think then that that's what does start to reinforce it for your kids when they aren't with you, right? When they're at school, when they're playing sports, when they're doing something else and not with you, if you've modeled, hey, this is just a thing we always talk about. Like, this is just part of who we are as a family. This is part of how we talk about life and how we talk about things is it just comes up. Um, the other thing I was thinking about when you were describing that practice too is that, like, I think that's why Jesus especially, but throughout Scripture, that metaphor is there, right? The reason Jesus talks about bread and wine and the reason Jesus talks about farming analogies is because that's what the people did all the time. And so it becomes this way of like, when we do this thing, we remember Jesus, like we remember that, you know? And so that becomes a reminder for our kids of those things too, right? When we can make that connection to this place or this thing or, you know, who God is, that becomes a marker for them. It becomes easy to recall and easy to remember. To yeah, people. yeah, like absolutely. That. Yeah. So take the Deuteronomy verse and just make some slight modifications for your kids of whenever you eat Dino Nuggies. <laughs> yes. Whenever you yeah. play Fortnite, whenever you... <laughs> yeah. Well, on the side-by-side stuff, I think when you talk about going uh, bike riding with your kids, I mean, it's one of the best ways. Mm. Like, if you actually want to get a kid to do something, do something that's side-by-side, that you can shoot basketball, you can play video games. There's lots of things you can do that, hey, we're doing this thing. But while we're doing this thing, we're also talking. And especially as kids are getting into that kind of preteen teenage years, which we're going to talk about in our next episode, uh, especially like that side-by-side stuff becomes really powerful, you know, or driving in the car. Like oh, yeah. that becomes this moment of like, we don't have to have eye contact and there's a a freedom mm-hmm. in your ability to talk when we don't have to like sit across from the table in deep eye contact and have this hard conversation. Like yep. kids don't like that. Nobody likes nope. that. They don't. They yeah. get uncomfortable. So, you know, there's this thing of like being able to ride bikes while we have this conversation uh, allows us to feel comfortable. Um, it's actually also a regulation technique to help your kid calm down while you're having oh. maybe a difficult conversation. There you go. Look at you. Yeah. Bernie's learning today too. Oh, this yeah. is great. Well, and you know what's cool is like I've had – deeper conversations with my kids when I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Um, because when they sit down and you're like, okay, we're going to do this thing. They're, they're kind of like, ah, uh, but then like, yeah, when they're natural, like that side by side moment, they're like, Hey dad, like I remember last week I was driving with my oldest and I just turned on some worship and like, we were just being quiet in the car running an errand. And then 
like we just started talking about stuff and then I ended up apologizing to him just about stuff and just kind of sharing, like I was having a, a therapy session with him in the car <laughs> and I just remember him looking over at me and just, he looked at me with that, like, I love you, dad. Like, it's okay yeah. type of moment. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like I wasn't expecting, like we were running to target. Like we were just going to go get, you know, just a couple things and like, that was it. But like, it turned into this powerful moment and I'm like, wow. Okay. Like, it's, yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated, you yeah. know. So yeah. My I know my I'm telling a bunch of stories about my daughter, but she she always wants to know what every song is about, right? So like she can hear about half the words, and so it just, it's made me think and made me cognizant of like what are we listening to in the car, mm-hmm. um, because I don't. There's certain songs I don't want to explain yeah, to my five year old what that song is about. <laughs> yep. So it becomes really helpful, <laughs> uh, although it does also make you realize that some worship songs are really confusing mm-hmm. to explain to a kid of like, they're talking about blood and water. And I'm like, well, that's kind of about, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to, you know, but I think it the, those are the things of like, how can I just take this moment that's naturally occurring and becomes an opportunity to have a, a conversation which is really cool. Yeah, you mentioned worship songs. So we, when our kids were younger, we would have Toby Mac dance parties in the kitchen mm-hmm. because he had a lot of crazy songs like Eye on it and stuff. And my kids naturally formed a mosh pit around <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now we just stream worship on YouTube and just like, yeah, like when we switched to the, having that like in the background, yeah. like our house became a little bit more peaceful and a little <laughs> more calmer and even just catching our kids kind of singing those words, mm-hmm. you know, because they're a little bit older and, and they just kind of, but then asking the question like, oh, wait, why, why does this song say this or that or whatever? Like that's, that's been a big part too, is just allowing the truth of who God is just kind of sink into them through worship. Um, and just having that on my wife, like we homeschool. And so she always has a playlist going during that, mainly for her. <laughs> like, yeah. I need, I need a little Jesus, sanity. Yeah. But also, <laughs> but also for the kids, you know, right. To just, to hear that truth as they're kind of doing that stuff. Um, that they may not want to do, but they're they're still kind of getting that, yeah, that truth in them. So yeah, so good. This is great. I mean, I just want to recap just a little bit. So we talked about just a bunch of different stuff of just keeping it simple. I think it's one of those things. I think you know finding conversations just as they naturally come up, engaging them, engaging the kids where they're at, the mm-hmm. questions they're having. I think is a great point that you that you talked about. Uh, letting faith fill the gap. I think it was another just good like little principle of like, hey, we can we can have these conversations with our kids, but it's okay to say, I don't know. I'm not fully confident in that. And I think that gives a lot of freedom to dads of like, hey, you don't have to walk into this with a you know, a theology degree. Uh, and let me tell you, as somebody who has one, it doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> Anyways, um, I have more questions than answers at this point. Um, so just being a, being willing to say, I don't know. But I think it's okay to not know. It's okay to keep asking and keep pursuing that um, and doing some side-by-side. Anything else you thought of? Great. Yeah, think. the two things that, that you said that I wrote down were make sure to focus on your relationship with your wife. Yep. Make sure that they see a healthy relationship between you and your spouse. And uh, focus on your relationship with God. Make sure they see you have a, a healthy relationship with God and what that looks like. Yeah. So And letting the whole community invest. I mean, this mm-hmm. is great of... You know, as Greg mentioned before, Bernie, you're part of that community that's surrounding his family and so many others. Um, but I think being plugged in to mm-hmm. a, a local body, a local church where you find some children's ministry that's helping. Because I think that's what becomes great, too, is that kids leave 
that space and then come home, hey, we talked about this today in church, and you get that becomes just a natural, yep. right? That becomes conversation for a Sunday lunch. And so if nothing else, once a week, you're creating that conversation with your kids. And so, yeah, I think uh, what I hope everybody's hearing is, you know, 45-minute, three times a day devotional time like the <laughs> Davis family is probably not That's a it. good strategy. That's where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know if it works. <laughs> you, <laughs> use words like eschatological. Okay, people yeah. love that. There you go. <laughs> uh, Pneum- pneumatological, eschatological. I'm going to exegete. I'm going to exegete yeah. this verse for my kids I right can't now. spell anything that we just said. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if those are real words or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm they are. Google them when we leave. Yeah. 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 I went to a college. I got a Bible <laughs> minor. I got a Bible minor. I think I got a solid. Let's see in that class. Uh, (laughs) Well, thanks, Bernie. This is a great conversation. We really appreciate your time. I hope everybody got a few good little nuggets to take away today. So yeah, I can say it truly was an honor. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we're at the end, it truly was an honor. Oh, great! Now I don't owe him five bucks. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Kiss your five. Appreciate that. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Just a Fad podcast today. Whether you're just getting started or have been on the foster or adoption journey for years. We hope that you got something encouraging or inspiring from our conversation. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, and we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at justafadpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about some topics that you want us to talk about, share a dad win from your family, or just send us a dad joke. You can really tell that we like dad jokes. Special thanks to our intrepid sound engineer, Chris Millett, who made sure that we don't just sound like Ricky Bobby with a podcast here. And until next time, this is just a fact.